Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast that believes all power should go to all workers. Today we have Laura, Zoe, and Julia. And today we're talking with the founders and members of Buffalo Organizers United, a new union out of Buffalo, New York, that created their bargaining unit through their work at the Clean Air Coalition. We have Emily, Julia, and Linnea with us here today. Thank you so much for joining us, y'all. Thank you for having us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was hoping uh, if each of you could introduce yourselves individually, um, maybe what your justice work has looked like leading up to this moment, and that could relate to, the, to your work at the Clean Air Coalition or, or whatever work you have done. Um, and also, we generally are always asking people their astrology signs, so if you feel like telling us that, you can. Again, <laughs> up to you. <laughs> and we can go in that order, um, Emily, Julia, and then Linnea. Cool. Um, so my name is Emily Trana. I use the pronoun she and her. I am an organizer here at the Clean Air Coalition of Environmental Justice Organizer in Buffalo, New York. Um, I've lived in Buffalo my whole life and have been organizing for about a decade. Um, I started my organizing work in college around uh, gender and sexuality, organizing work on campus at Buffalo State College, um, and have been doing Uh, reproductive justice, climate, housing, environmental justice for the last 10 years. Um, I've been on staff at Clean Air for the past year. Previously, I was a member, I was on the board, I did a bunch of things, um, and I'm a Scorpio. Um, I have have three little kids um, that aren't so little anymore, and three cats who may make themselves known on this podcast. We, we definitely always have cats making themselves known on this podcast, so, like, totally oh, yes. great. <laughs> yeah, most of the co-hosts have at least one cat, minimum of one cat. Yes, totally. <laughs> Amazing. How about you, Julia? Yeah, uh, so I'm the grassroots development organizer at Clean Air. I'm originally from Vermont, uh, went to undergrad in Syracuse and kind of migrated west from there to Buffalo uh, and have been doing a version of development work um, in the fundraising field for about a decade now, um, but have progressed a lot throughout that 10 years of, you know, initially doing door-to-door canvassing around anti-fracking in New York, um, which was like a good entry point into movement work and also um, wasn't you know, organizing per se. It was raising money and uh, funding, lobbying work. Linnea knows it well, because she also did this job with me um, about that. <laughs> uh, and then um, worked for, for another nonprofit in Buffalo doing grant writing, grant writing for um, like two and a half years and really built an analysis around how, um, you know, a small few uh, people build all of them wealth and get to tell us how to, um, you know, run our movements and how to organize for justice and how extremely problematic that is. Um, and it's really grateful to come to Clean Air and um, do grassroots development. So I get to work with our members to shape um, our membership program at the organization um, to build a stronger culture around people financially um, paying dues and being a member of our organization and then um, being able to like physically show up um, and have, have the community in the space that they 
um, meets their needs and, and makes them whole. Um, and so I get to do that. And also, um, of course, there's there's donations built into that too. And so I get to hold um, our donors and funders accountable to better practices and to aligning with our values at Clean Air um, and, and listening to you know, our lived truths and um, the way that we that people on the ground and their communities want to fight for justice. And so um, we're always kind of pushing that uh, envelope here. And um, it's interesting because fundraising is generally thought of this thing as just go after the money and, and fund the work. Um, but we're really building it into our organizing framework. And I actually call myself an organizer, even though I don't do issue campaign organizing like Linnea and Emily. Um, but I get to think about how we can organize people and their relationship with money um, and, and build better movements and more powerful movements in the, in the process. So um, I'm originally from Vermont. I don't know if I said that. I love Vermont. I go back often, a lot of roots there. Um, I have a cat named Toupee and um, my sign is Leo. I don't know. I'm a really bad lesbian. I don't know <laughs> shit about that, but <laughs> I've been very Leo-like of me to not, to not, uh, read into it so yeah don't worry about it uh you know if you ever have questions I'm you know uh, an astrology lesbian here in Buffalo and I can help you out no problem um, yeah. <laughs> yes. perfect um yeah and Linnea uh my name is Linnea Brett I use she and her pronouns I'm originally from Niagara Falls New York uh I have lived in Buffalo for almost 10 years um, and I sort of fell into movement work because when I finished grad school, I got a temp job um, at MNT Bank. I was processing applications for people buying um, boats. Uh, and I lasted about four business days before I quit to become a door-to-door canvasser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds right. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> um, that canvassing job was like cold door fundraising. Um, just like walking up to people uh, and asking them for money. Um, I didn't do very well at that. Uh, Julia has been organizing me and my relationship with money for a few years as well. Uh, but growing up working class, that was not a thing I was comfortable with. But totally. um, I was really just hooked on the work. So I, you know, kept canvassing. I actually canvassed for clean air back then um, as well. And just sort of fell in with organizers and, and movement work and primarily um, started doing real deep organizing with Surge, showing up for racial justice um, with the chapter here in Buffalo. Uh, and I am also a, a part-time employee of Surge. I coach chapters across the country. Um, so that's a really great, uh, been a really great home for me to sort of provide um, coaching and, and support to organizers across the country. Um, and then I've been at Clean Air um, for about three years. Uh, and my sort of issue bucket is around just transition. Um, so how are we moving away from uh, an economy that exploits our bodies uh, and our people and the environment and moving into an economy that centers our dignity uh, and our health and sustainability? Um, and so I came into Clean Air originally uh, around Tesla. Um, so there's a, the factory too is here in Buffalo. Um, I was hired as part of a joint organizing drive with a couple of labor unions. Um, and we were working on organizing the plant. Um, uh, a few months into that, Tesla fired uh, 
13 and a half percent of the Buffalo plant, many of whom were on our organizing committee. Uh, and we realized in the aftermath of that, that the firings um, and lots of things that led up to them were heavily racialized, where they were disproportionately targeting people of color uh, and women as well. Um, and specifically people who had been talking about injustice in the workplace, um, racial discrimination and, and harassment. Uh, and so I've been working with Tesla workers ever since uh, around the workplace uh, culture, um, lots and lots of people being terminated for unjust reasons uh, or leaving because they've been so harassed. Um, and you know, I also work with a small community in Seneca Babcock in Buffalo, uh, where they worked with Clean Air around shutting down a, a cement crushing facility that was illegally operating in a residential neighborhood. And since the shutdown three years ago, I've been working with residents on the street to actually take the property from the polluter, move it into the hands of the community land trust and do uh, an ecological restoration project. Um, wow. So that's sort of the scope of, of my work at Clean Air, those are the, the issue campaigns um, I work on. Um, and I am a quadruple Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the rest No, literally, Virgos make the best organizers. You do. Like, I have no, like, I can't, I am, I function very opposite of how a Virgo would. <laughs> uh, and it, it makes organizing work very difficult for me. Uh, but I have dated a lot of Virgos and also like just know a lot of Virgos who are organizers and they're just like, they can do the work. They can really like, they can get all the details that they need to get and execute things in like the most detailed organized way possible. Uh, so kudos. I for it by being insufferable and many other <laughs> I'm glad that you said it, you know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, and that's what's important. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, we love and support the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, you have you have some very powerful compliments to Virgo Energy with you on your team, which we love. Mm -hmm. um, and it, which will, what I mean is the specific thing that Virgo struggle with is like letting loose. <laughs> letting loose and that uh, Scorpio energy and that Leo energy is going to help shake that up a little bit for you <laughs> which we love to see yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely so let's talk about this this union that y'all created Buffalo Organizers United so what is it and why did you start it so Buffalo Organizers United, um, or we, we call ourselves Boo sometimes, yes. it, it started, um, actually was prompted by one of the organizing uh, committee members at Tesla, uh, who is a, has been a card-carrying IWW member for many years. Um, he got really, really involved in the work at Tesla and then sort of branched into other parts of our organization and is a really, really valued leader and member. Um, and he was the first one to say, you should organize your staff. Um, and at, we, we first went into it thinking about, you know, we talk about just transition work um, and building a really sustainable movement. And we could be thinking and talking about our own workplace as well, right? And, and 
viewing unionization as a way to walk the walk. Um, you know, we, we are organizers, why not organize ourselves? Uh, and over time, we got a lot through lots of different, you know, conversations with each other. Um, it, it really just like emerged this sort of reality we weren't addressing for a long time that organizing is not often that sustainable. Um, it's really, really hard work. Um, and, you know, all nonprofit workers and certainly organizers are very, very under-resourced and under-supported. And even, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, we have both known so many people who came into organizing and burned out um, and who aren't organizers anymore. And just seeing how that larger culture of just like <laughs> work, 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 rigor, rigor, um, without a lot of resting <laughs> um, was just like not not sustainable for, for us or for our larger community. For anyone, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it hurts the movement, right? Um, I think that's like one of the biggest pieces is purging organizers because they get worn out and um, cannot maintain their their well-being and families and all of these these things um, makes it so that we're not going to win our movements. Um, we're not going to be building up the the skills of, of people over time and that kind of like lived knowledge. And um, yeah, that's hard to to fathom when when this is life or death for um, for our movements. And um, we want to make it so that people can do this work and get old doing it and um, be happy doing it. That's that's the goal. Mm -hmm. What an incredible goal, to be honest. I just really quickly wanted to say a sentence on what Just Transition is, because I know it because I work in, I not anymore, but used to work at various nonprofits in Buffalo. And I think anyone who's doing work injustice probably knows about the Just Transition movement. But basically for our listeners, it's a movement that is pushing capital, pushing away capitalism, essentially, and trying to make sure the people who are hurt the most by capitalism are hurt the least by the transition to socialism or transition to an alternative economy, thus not named yet. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, pretty much just not an extractive economy, which right now the extractive economy we are in is capitalism. Yeah, I also I wanted to hear more about like what the process was like of starting a whole new union, because when I've been in workplaces that have organized, it's always been with an existing union that's like really big and old and has a ton of resources. And even that is very challenging and a ton of work. Um, so I'm curious, like why you decided to create a new union instead of organizing with an existing one and what were sort of the benefits of that and or if there were any challenges of going that route? So we're actually, we are unionizing with a pre-existing union, Industrial Workers of the World. Um, and Linnea Got it. spoke briefly about um, uh, the someone that is already a dues paying member with, with IWW that really encouraged us and um, supported us, uh, you know, 100% of the way and, and still is doing a lot of processing with us. Um, and we chose IWW, like, for a very specific reason. Uh, I think you raise a good point about, like, there's all these really big unions out there that have a ton of resources, and that actually does present a challenge in itself. Um, and we were inspired by the values and um, 
the just the the general way that IWW goes about um, supporting workplaces, unionizing, um, and really centering workers in that process. And then we did start Buffalo Organizers United as I, I don't I don't know how to exactly explain it, but like right as an offshoot, um, as like a space um, that is the name of our union that in our workplace and also aims to be a space for. Um, other organizers to be able to come and, and have support and have, um, you know, community within this specific um, field that is, is so rigorous and difficult and um, in, involves a lot of um, processing. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the aim. We, we you know, are not going to be as Buffalo Organizers United unionizing other workplaces, but we are going to be a space for folks to be able to come to us, learn about our process, um, be able to, to communicate the, the issues that are, are going on with them and kind of this exhaustion that's um, as of now is, is built in um, to the um, really fabric of the work and, and be able to talk about how we can make it better um, to really rethink and, and rebuild this field to, to be better. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's it's like a very old union and a, <laughs> and a very new kind of space. Yeah, of like, just offering support and resources and trying to really center care and thriving and longevity in this work. Mm-hmm. So did yeah. you say, did you say IWW is Industrial Workers United? Or did you say International Workers United? Industrial Workers of the World. Oh, Industrial Workers of the World. Okay. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I feel like IWW is also another union acronym for international workers of the world as well. I don't know. But yes. I was saying international workers of the world, yeah. which shows how much, um, you know, we're working directly with them. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And it's been slow because we chose this kind of old school union that's refused to um, like really like lean into capitalist union right like this kind of we're just unionizing workers to like i don't know not actually meet workers needs but to like build power um only and so iww isn't a union that does that and and therefore they have less resources and it's been um slower and also there's been a huge benefit to us as a as a bargaining unit and being able to like slow that process down, work mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. process what's important to us um, as we unionize and really have a, a united front in um, the, the demands and the um, vision that we've put forward. Yeah. We've also had staff transition since the process started. So that's another part of why it's, it's been slower um, is sort of like reorienting around, uh, around a new formation as, as time went on. Mm-hmm. That was a process too. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually would love to ask a little bit more about that specifically because it's something that I've seen come up with a lot of folks I know who work in nonprofits who are trying to unionize that like there's so much turnover because people burn out that it's really hard to actually sustain a unionization effort. Um, I'm just curious if you ha- like have any tips for folks that are facing that or how did you all kind of overcome that? I think. I don't know if we have tips, but we have to, we just had to talk to each other a lot. And like this, this formation of the three of us has not always been like unicorns and rainbows. Like we've definitely had 
disagreements or, or, you know, I think ultimately a very similar vision and values, which is like that reminder and working through that has helped us to like work through those tensions and like not agreeing all the time, um, is actually like a good thing, <laughs> like, um, and, and really have been, we've been able to like build together this formation with me as a new person, especially as someone who was previously on the board, like during a unionization drive, like let's figure out what that is. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for this team? Um, and I think that the, the pace at which, you know, Adrian Ray Brown tells us that we must move at the speed of trust. And I think that we have moved at that speed. Um, oh, yeah. And like that has been worth it. Um, so I think like if there is a, a nugget of wisdom in that is like, it's okay to not speed speed through things um, because things will get lost along the way. But what can we do at the, at the speed of trust, at the speed of relationship, at the speed of like hashing things out and crying on Zoom calls and yelling at each other on, on porches, like, um, and being nasty to union workers, like, um, <laughs> so that we actually can be in a place that when the work gets hard, like we're with one another. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that that's yeah. where we are now. Yeah. yeah. I think we've always been really, really, uh, attentive to like centering back to our configuration as the three of us and those relationships and what our shared values are. Mm -hmm. Um, and a real like gift that we've had as a team is just this like shared sense of silliness. Yeah. We have returned to over and over again, that even when things are like, we're not, <laughs> we're not finding consensus or there's tension for whatever reason, like we have found ways to break that through like silliness, silliness and joy mm -hmm. and like, you know, maybe going to the beach, <laughs> having a drink on the porch, yeah. like really trying to just like make this be about us in relationship to each other, mm -hmm. um, which is how you also make organizing sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's how our jobs function too. It's like, we're very, very tired at the end of the week and we still try to like come together and, and process and care for each other. Yeah. We talked about disrupting meetings with vegetables at one point mm -hmm. as a, as a like <laughs> only speaking in Natalie and Brulia lyrics um, during the <laughs> Yeah. Putting googly like, eyes on things. Yeah. Like it, of course, yeah. we got weird. It didn't pan out like this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, like the reality of like coming up against your own management, even at a progressive nonprofit, is quite a bit different than mm -hmm. that imagination. But uh, you know, we we have had as much fun as as yeah. we can have. Mm. And we put a chicken wing in our logo that, that oh, we, yeah. his partner made for us, which is so beautiful. Yeah. But the chicken wing was intentional. Like it's, yes. it's a bird and very Buffalo and like very us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have even had people be like, why did you do that? Like that doesn't seem very like professional of you. <laughs> Did you know professionalism is a white supremacist concept? You're like, that's the fucking point. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for noticing. Yeah, for real. Um, and I, I would say that people who were born and raised as girls are more likely to take their time with things. However, even still in nonprofit industry, we're like – all employees are generally per under the same pressure that is like this capitalist uh, work ethic mentality, right? Um, so pushing up against that seems seems real, seems right. Um, so 
when I saw the news of Boo getting created, I was really, really excited. Um, I actually found out because a, a former coworker of mine uh, who still works at the nonprofit that I used to work at, you know, she sent it to me because she was really excited about what it could mean for Buffalo, you know, having the first one already exist. Um, and, you know, I've worked for many nonprofits in my adult life, and I find it to be an area where workers are always exploited. Um, and it's also a highly feminized field. Um, so the exploitation, particularly in wages, is exacerbated. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of nonprofits can hide behind um, the care. So uh, just like caring about whatever it is that you're working on, as well as possibly not having enough grant money um, or whatever the issue may be when dealing with labor issues, um, which isn't doesn't excuse the labor exploit- exploitation, but I think is what people commonly will like point to as why uh, we can't pay you more or whatever the issue might be. Um, so can you talk about the specific need of creating a union for nonprofit workers and why the nonprofit sector is unique and why this is not really a common thing that you see when we talk about unionization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that another nonprofit in Buffalo, um, the Public Accountability Initiative, PAI, they have Little Sis Union as well. So, um, and they have been very supportive mm-hmm. of what we're, we're working on. So we're not completely alone uh, or creating the field. And I just wanted to shout them out there, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think, you know, this nonprofit labor, and I think like organizing and social justice nonprofit labor is deeply like, like there are so many women and queer and trans people that are doing this work, like in Buffalo and and globally, right? And like, it's an extension of the free unpaid um, reproductive labor that we do in our homes and for our communities. And it's an extension of that. Like it is care work. Organizing work is care work. And we don't value like capital C care work or lowercase c care work in our homes, in the economy, um, period. And we never have like in inside of white supremacist capitalism. And so like it, 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 there is this extension of like, well, you will you will do X, Y, and Z thing to support this work, or you'll do, you know, use this amount of time or go to this training or leave this thing. Um, and it becomes like a natural extension of our personalities and not actually seen as labor and a skill um, that we have cultivated both like intentionally, like professionally in air quotes, but also like that we have been trained to do as like girls and women our whole lives um, from from this perspective. And so I think that I get really pissed at men in the movement um, because like- Same. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, I, like, I'm very tired of, um, I'm very tired of having the work that I see myself and my like comrades do that is the care work, that is the necessary, like the- infrastructure building, the making sure people have rides to meetings, the relationship building, the having the hard conversations with people, 
Um, and then men grabbing the mic at microphones and calling themselves organizers. Um, and like, certainly that's an important <laughs> part of the ecosystem. <laughs> But like, what actually? <laughs> no, it's just too real. It's too real. So, so real. And like, um, and then when you bring that up, it's like, what are you going to do to fix it? And then it, it just gets flipped back onto us. Right. Um, and then there's more work and then we do more political education trainings and we do more of these. Maybe I'm talking out of my own trauma, but like, I no, think that it, it's, I, it's real. Yeah, it, it's a real thing. And I think that naming this work, being really clear that like this is the path that we have chosen in our lives and like um, it, it deserves to be dignified work. It deserves to be paid. It deserves to be respected. And all facets of the work should be seen as work and not just like cute things that you do. Like I don't buy Lisa Frank stickers for meetings for no fucking reason. Like there is a reason that like you think about those little details of things and like it's silly but it's important um but if you're the only one who's grabbing a microphone or like writing your name on a grant report like who's actually going to get the resources that are necessary and so it's taken me some time to like get in like full lockstep with this union drive i'll be honest about that and also like it is so important and it it really like i, I don't know I've lived in Buffalo my whole life and it's one of the smallest, smallest town, big city, whatever the phrase is. Um, and we deserve a living wage and like a dignified place to work. Um, the system is inherently yeah. like set up yeah. for us to be like, we don't have time to take care of ourselves because we're doing all of the work. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I don't want to speak for you at all, Emily, but I think that like, it's, we have to create more time. We have to exhaust ourselves more to do things like start boo and yeah. have a union and create these spaces for, for these people. And meanwhile, be told that we're doing something that's bad or that we're not being grateful or that, right? Like, so it, mm -hmm. it, it's inherently set up for us to not do this, to yeah. not, and, and um, we have to be like, really go above and beyond to have the mental capacity and to like be able to be okay to, to like create a, a better, a better system for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's a little bit like up here, but uh, I also, I, I want to say one other thing about the question that you asked, because I think that so often I'm sure you've heard this at the nonprofits that you've worked for like it's just said over and over again that we exist in this nonprofit industrial complex and that the way that we function is a result of that. It's not our fault. Mm. It's not management's fault, right? Mm. Um, like, like more and the longer that I'm in this field, the more I realize how much of a bullshit answer that is mm -hmm. and that it's a complete lack of will um, to make our workplaces better and to take care of, of organizers and our people. Um, if, if we decided to go after funding saying, actually, our employees are underpaid. Um, our employees aren't making a living wage and we want to pay them $60,000, $70,000, right? And we need to raise this much money to do that. Um, we could do it, but we yeah. just won't say it. We refuse mm -hmm. to say it and have the will to like do the, the, the good thing, to do the best thing. Yeah. Um, and that's frustrating. And I think we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, uh, oh, grant funders don't like to, to have their money go to staff. 
Yeah. And I was like, well, then we need to figure something else out. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's both an issue at the like individual kind of micromanager level, but also like larger at the just like sector that like the conditions of scarcity we're constantly functioning from as nonprofit employees are that's on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? The like containers we're in, like they were keeping us like desperate and scrambling on purpose Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the, the sources of funding want the status quo. They just want it like a little bit softer or a little bit kinder, Mm -hmm. or like maybe they just want the tax write off, like whatever the thing is, but like the, the, the conditions of scarcity we're in that are making us exhausted and desperate and burning out are on purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think we should accept it. Mm -hmm. And I think like to go even further up, like, (laughs) is that like nonprofits exist as a buffer between the state and capital. And so like we are, how in the world, like when we hear that, oh, there's nothing we can do, or like, you know, funders won't fund this thing, it is on purpose. And it's like, unless we are intentionally chipping away and build like building something different on purpose, like, will we, we will just reproduce the, the same conditions that the state and capital want us to exist within, which is like white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal, like bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does it mean when, when an ED or a board chair or a funder says there's not enough, like, this isn't how we do things. It's like, they're, they're acting as agents of the state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Often are like exist on a, on an entity, like a board of directors where they're actually not the organizers. They're, they're like believe in organizing, but they don't have the same exact values as organizers because mm-hmm. that's not what they do for a living. So like, they're like acting for the state and also aren't intimately familiar with this work. So, yeah. and so decision maker, you know, the decision makers, should not be the decision makers. We're trying to shift that power. We're trying to make it so that like we can make decisions about our own lives. Yeah. And one of our values as an organization is resident knowledge. Most of our organizing campaigns come out of neighborhoods and all of our, the strategy, the tactics, the pace, the goals, like those come from people, from our members who are running campaigns because we believe that the people closest to the problem have the best solutions to address it. And so it's just this like interesting cognitive dissonance when in the workplace, we are the people closest to the problem and we're not actually being allowed to define the solutions. The solutions are coming from above and saying this should be good enough for you. Mm -hmm. And we should be grateful. Mm -hmm. And we've never experienced. Cannot retweet enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also makes me think of Sarah Jaffe's new book, Work Won't Love You Back, which we talked about on the podcast, but she has a chapter specifically about nonprofits. Um, And yeah, I mean, nonprofits like welfare, which a lot of people don't like to hear, is to make capitalism look good, is to uphold the state so that, yeah, so people are okay with it because there's this like, these good things happening too. Like, that's why, I mean, so many nonprofits, like the one that I, or one that I've worked at was a hedge fund cover-up. I've talked about the podcast before. We won't get too far into that. Um, also, I didn't, I did not know until after I worked there. Um, <laughs> for the to record, <laughs> to be clear, I was not purposefully a tax shelter for a hedge fund, but I was by accident. <laughs> um, 
Who am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, like 20. So, uh, you know, you live, you learn, you find fake budgets and you learn. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so you brought up like some of your, like, I guess the main kind of tenets of the union, but I wanted to ask what like specific goals and demands um, do you have that you're working towards? Right now, we are working towards recognition from our board. We um, have asked them twice for voluntary recognition. Um, We have not been recognized yet. Um, We haven't exactly moved into the part of the process where we are like issuing a specific list of workplace demands. We're looking forward to getting to collective bargaining um, and have a lot of ideas around that, but right now, Uh, our demand is to be recognized. Wow. I had no idea. (laughs) Um, Wowzers. Um, That's a great demand. And if we can help in any way to uh, help put pressure on those that should have that happen, please let us know. Um, (laughs) Sure. I'd be letting you know. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's one of those, one of those pieces we we haven't really said it publicly we you know it's been in the in the writing but um you know further down um right yeah i know yeah. that's why i'm like oh <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah and it's you know when we talked to iww initially um they really described that like the the hypocrisy is really quite endless in in unions and like gave us examples of um, union people that worked for unions that weren't unionized and they tried to unionize and were union busted by the union um right mm. and, and so like it's it's a you know a lot of like layered reasons for why we have not been recognized at, at clean air and you know and 100 guarantee if you went and talked to folks in power, it would be a very different answer um, than you get than you would get from us. But um, it really comes down, I think, to like power dynamics and this inability to reimagine what is possible um, within within capitalist systems. Because right, we are a nonprofit, we are, we do exist in the nonprofit industrial complex. And also we can change that. We can shift it. Unions have been around for a really long time. Um, it's a real yeah, it's a real like shift in, in uh, ha- how we can function, and we just have to ha- like convince the folks um, that make the decisions to, to let us do it. Yeah, it's like f- f- weird how people who have power are reluctant to give it up. <laughs> but, but um, you know, they really should. <laughs> they really should. Um, it's not lost on me or us that, that we're all women and we're all queer. Right? Yeah, um, and young, and young things would likely be um, different if those factors were not yeah. in place. And I think that's important to mention. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely yeah. is. I've worked at a couple of nonprofits that were only women or non-binary people, and even still, the ageism uh, is very real. Um, one of the organizations that I've worked for worked very closely with teens, and that's the part I was in charge of. And like uh, for me, it was clear that as an organization we we are supposed to treat teens as the whole humans they are you know it's interesting how in a mission of an organization they can have the foresight 
to do that for a, a specific group of people like youth or whatever it is, like a neighborhood. But then when it comes to trusting the knowledge, the wisdom, the lived experience of the staff, it becomes a very different story very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry to hear that y'all are struggling with the, you know, the normal things that we all struggle with. Uh, but we hopefully, you know, this campaign will be successful. Um, so because the Clean Air Coalition is an environmental justice organization, if you couldn't tell from the name, um, could you talk a bit about the connection between environmental justice and labor justice or workers' rights? There is a deep connection between labor justice and environmental justice. When we are able to control the conditions and have us like more than a seat at the table, but really be able to to steer the ship and have our voices heard, acknowledged, um, and really centered, and to have those people who own workplaces um, and like industry that is polluting our our, our neighborhoods, our bodies, um, when we're able to have those that kind of decision making power like more justice is possible just because like of what Linnea was saying earlier about people being closest to the problems, having the best solutions. We know that's true with folks who live close to coal-fired power plants as it is with the people who work inside of those coal-fired power plants. We, uh, I think Clean Air has been a unique um, environmental justice organization in, in our organizing work of being really intentional that Um, the workers at the plants that we are organizing for more accountability and justice for also deserve accountability and justice from their employer. Um, And that as we are transitioning from an extractive to, you know, the big red star in the sky of the uh, economy yet to be named, that's really just socialism. uh, (laughs) People are so scared of that. Not on our podcast, though, so you can say it. (laughs) (laughs) We need to make sure that that people have family sustaining jobs, that people have healthy workplaces, that people have healthy neighborhoods. If we're really going to be sustainable about, you know, in in moving forward, nobody like everyone wants dignified work. Everyone deserves dignified work. Um, And that includes people who work inside of industry and people who live along the fence line of that industry. Um, and that when we really think, when we like close our eyes and really imagine the world that we want to live in, to me, it doesn't include like um, fossil fuels and chemicals that make us sick, but it does include like dignified work. And so what are we doing now to practice that um, and make those connections so that it's not like the polar bears versus miners? Because that's bullshit. Um, and like that's binary thinking that isn't real. Um and it, that's not going to help us win. That's actually serving someone else. Um, and I think that our the environmental justice movement, you know, that has been like the big greens, like, I don't know if I can say people's names, but like the Sierra Clubs, the green oh, yeah. pieces, so, like, you Drag know, these, them to hell. <laughs> these big, big <laughs> multi-million dollar fund that used to work for the ACLU, right? Like they, they, they have historically been run for and by white people of, of class privilege. And um, so when we're thinking about environmental justice and you think about, oh, those hippies just want to close down the factory. They don't care about my union job. Um, it's like, that's actually not true. Um, but, but it takes working class people, um, you know, black, indigenous and people of color 
queer and trans people, women to, to be the forefront in decision-making inside of our own movements. And especially this like weird apparatus that we have with inside of capitalism that is the nonprofit to say like, no, we are going to write the story. We are going to shape the strategy. We are going to tell um, and, and, and do what we need to do so that we're all part of this new world that we're building and no one is left behind except for like the people who suck and should burn in hell. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't want them in my, my red star utopia. Um, but they'll probably or be there. We'll find a way. Yes, we have an apple. Yes. You gotta pay us back for the harm you've caused. Yeah. I think there's also a piece that like, you know, like Emily, you know, described so well that it's like the economy or the environment is the framework that we have been given. And when you have the ability to step back from that and like she said, like, look at who that is serving, like actually the problem is capitalism. Mm -hmm. The things that are, uh, you know, allowing coal plants or cement crushers to operate in neighborhoods and filling the air and soil with carcinogens and killing people. Like it's the exact same structures and in Buffalo, often the same people yeah. <laughs> that are also like abusing workers, right? And and the same systems that are in, in Buffalo, one out of every $3 from the city budget goes to the police department, right? Yeah. Like the same, the same structures and literally the same people are killing all of us. And I think if we're able to take that step back and, and not fall into this, like either, or this like silo, we can actually win because mm -hmm. there's a lot more of us than there are of them. Mm -hmm. The Tesla campaign that, that Linnea organizes on is a really good example for our people that like can't grasp this concept it's that like we had a, a closure of a coal plant of a Huntley um, and, and Tesla, a renewable energy plant opened and, you know, a lot of folks were like, yay, just transition. Like we did it. Um, <laughs> um, and, and Linnea described to, to y'all earlier how horrible the workplace practices are in Tesla. And that is not a just transition that we stand by. Mm -hmm. um, folks that are dealing with racism and sexism on, on the daily in their workplace is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, really what, what type of just transition are we, are we shooting for? What type of world do we want to build? Mm -hmm. And that into like, who are we paying up? And it's like people like, you know, literal billionaires, the richest person in the world right now. And, and like the, the Buffalo billion was this big government incentive uh, influx of, of money into the Buffalo economy many years ago said to like bring us into the modern era and of that billion, 959 million went to Tesla to renovate the, the facility, to incentivize them to move in. And they moved in and were paying people like $15 an hour and were harassing people and refusing to promote black and brown people and women. And it, it, it's this like <laughs> very, very clear hook of like, what are we funding? Who are we allowing in the door? And what actually is like, sustainable what is just mm -hmm. um and it's like not the things that we're being offered and told our solutions mm -hmm. elon yeah. musk is one of the people who will be burning in hell oh yeah no we're can't be saved the guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's one of the first in the guillotine yes no i'm with you <laughs> i'm with you there 
We did grow up in Buffalo, <laughs> so. Um, no, I think it's, you know, all you need to know, and this is like libs versus leftists too, right? It's like, oh, a solar powered and the nice cars. It's like, okay, literally, first of all, who can afford those cars? Secondly, who can afford those solar <laughs> panels? Third, Tesla is anti-union like they're openly anti-union he tries to when they talk about it i love like watching him squirm about it but he's anti-union and like multiple things have come out about it and so it's like the the facade of progressiveness under just more hyper capitalism is like very well laid out in tesla itself Mm -hmm. that angers me the most by the way like if you're gonna be shitty just like be shitty own it like don't say you're good and tesla's like not even there like there's you know a lot of organizations that say that they're like the most progressive and then they're like like no you're not yeah stop saying that that's a lie there's some rainbow armbands for dogs at target like like lots the company that people love Lush is medium busting right now, right? Like it's not just Tesla. It's, it's all of these organizations that also are saying they're doing good. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, to, like you only do good up until good for who? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then, and then you're unwilling to move beyond that. And that's, yeah. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I was living in Denmark, I went to, there's one of the like Danish islands that is run entirely on renewable energy and I went there and we like, um, it was like educational trip. We went um, to meet various people, but we went to this farm that is run on wind energy. And we were like talking to the farmer who was just like working class farmer and kind of asking what he thought about it. And he had no specific ties to like politics or like renewable energy. He was just like, they pay me to have these, like, because there's a grant for this island to like, kind of test out this experiment of running on renewable energy he was just like yeah they pay me grant money to put in these these windmills so like i did so just like the idea that like coal miners are like pro-capitalism it's like no people need to make money and if you whatever you make profitable and pay people to do they'll do because that's how we have the system set up um so yeah yeah and i think like we most of my work is around environmental justice and like right now is very much around like hazardous waste and remediating like hazardous waste sites. And we see like cleaning up brownfield and Superfund sites, like the people who we need to do that work are the people who worked at those plants because they know where the bodies are buried and they know where the leaking tanks are and they know where these things are. And like, we have enough like capacity as amazing humans on this like beautiful planet to say, okay, we were here. Now here's a bridge to clean up like the land and soil and, and like bring us into a renewable future and retrain those workers and bring in new people because like the labor movement has been like very racially segregated, has been very hostile to black and brown workers and to women and queer and trans workers. And so like, what can we also do within the labor movement to, to shift and change and grow to actually serve the world that we're building, which I think like Buffalo Organizers United is like an example of how we can do that. And also our organizing work on the ground and just transition environmental justice and how we're raising money and how we're thinking about money and building grassroots power um, can all be these sort of like testing grounds for what we're actually trying to do. Yeah. So unfortunately we're coming up towards the end of our time, but uh, before 
we let you all leave, wanted to ask, um, like, what advice you have for other nonprofits who are looking to unionize and do similar work as y'all? Don't give up. <laughs> it's a good one. I don't know. It's, it's, it's urgent and it takes time. Mm-hmm. It's like all, all of our work, you know, it feels like, and it's, it can be exhausting. Um, but same with all of our work. Um, building new systems when everyone is against you, um, you know, reimagining what's possible is like, it feels impossible sometimes, um, but it's not, you know, surround yourself with good people and also like do the hard work of bringing those people along, right? Um, we haven't always been aligned as a unit and, and um, we really like spent a lot of hours um, not fighting, like, right. Not like arguing, not yelling at each other, but like show, showing up with grace and love, um, and being able to, um, you know, meet each other where we're at and then move forward together. Mm-hmm. Operating from a place of good faith, baby. It's what it's all about. Take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Before clean air, I was part of a, um, I worked for a progressive um, political campaign um, that we unionized through that, um, Cynthia Nixon. And what we did during that was like really rally around the workers that were having the worst experience, (laughs) getting really clear about what the things were that were happening that were like harming them. And like, even if you didn't have a stake in that, like bolstering that and rallying around like who who needs this the most, who has the most to gain and how can we like invest in that and really like take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at one point we had a worker um, that needed healthcare for uh, her children. And it was like, the you know, financially the only thing that we could afford. And we're like, that's the demand, like, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we dropped health. everything else. And like, all, all the other things, yeah. it was like, you and your family need healthcare. Um, that's the most important thing. And, and I think that's like, there's this notion that we're greedy and we're like, you know, asking for 10 million things. Um, but we're just creating the like, community in the best way we know how. Mm-hmm. The greediest people and with the most power love to call other people asking for a slice of the pie greedy. So just make sure that goes in, sla- in one ear and out the other. Oh. Not you know. Not even a slice of the pie, like a small crumb. Yeah. <laughs> Not even one whole slice. Yeah, yeah, just freaking healthcare. Yeah, I I think too. Like it's really hard to name what you actually need and to like feel like you deserve that. And I think especially as like a working class, like it's working class people, like to really name the things that you need and the things that you want, and not be like, oh no, we can't. You know, like it's really, really fucking difficult. Um. And like, that's where the community and the trust and the going slow, like are important because deep democracy takes time and a lot of talking um, and, and healing work to say like, no, you deserve healthcare. <laughs> like you deserve a day off. Um, yes. You deserve human dignity and respect. Well, hell yeah. Is there anything else y'all would like to make sure to say before we send you on your way? I think maybe as one last thing, we're still kind of figuring this out um, as, as we go, Buffalo Organizers United, but um, folks that are listening, if you want to help us figure it out, um, if you want to join us, please, please do. Um, 
you know, we're not going to have everything perfectly, <laughs> perfectly set up for you. Um, but we're, we're definitely down to um, have other folks join us in, in this effort and, and um, yeah, build out Boo the way that we want to. And we would just really want to be a landing spot for people who need one. So, you know, if you're a nonprofit worker and you want to unionize, you can reach out to us. We want to support you. And if you're a nonprofit worker that's so overwhelmed that like the thought of trying to unionize makes you want to cry, like you can still reach out to us. You don't have to be like, I'm ready to do this Mm -hmm. for us to want to like be in relationship with you. And I think if you are a nonprofit worker that has unionized and like, has, has listened to this conversation and have some wisdom or like something to share, we would also really love to connect with folks and see we've, we've been really supported and buoyed by other folks doing this work and that would be dope. Yeah. We can put this in the description as well, but can you just let people know the best way to reach you? We have yeah. an email address and Buffalo organizers united at gmail.com is our email address. And we're at Buffalo organizers united on Instagram and we're at organized Buffalo on Twitter. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank y'all so much. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, coordinating a conversation with all of you is like a little challenging, but we really uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. We're so happy to have had you on. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, that was our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And we know that you did. So uh, if you want to, you can give us your money on Patreon at patreon.com slash season of the bee. Uh, Season of the bitch. Uh, As always, I will let you know, you can just type it into Google and it will tell you. It will tell you. (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Season of the Bee. You can go to our website, uh, seasonofthebee.com. Yes. (laughs) And you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, five stars only. Uh, We do not accept less. It's misogyny. True. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can email us, seasonofthebee at gmail.com. We are still waiting for the cowards out there to send applications to uh, date certain co-hosts. Yeah, I mainly monitor the email. I'm going to be honest, it's been a little boring. Um, I appreciate (laughs) all the nice emails. I do try to respond to them. Thank you so much. But also step your game up, please. Thank you. Uh, And yeah. (laughs) Amazing. And that's all. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Season of the Bitch.